Good morning and welcome back for another episode of Pop Podcasts of the People. I'm with Joshi and we've got a, another inspiring, incredible human being who's doing a lot of good stuff in the volunteering space and community space in South Africa. She co-founded a company called Brownie Points. Her name is Pascal Henker. I hope I got the pronunciation right there, Pascal. Um, but really phenomenal stuff where you do good and you get rewarded. Um, Pascal, let's, um, let's get on with it. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, not only the professional stuff, but also what makes you, you? Yeah, well, Kurt, nice to meet you and, and Joshua <laughs> officially by Zoom. This is how it is nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to intro myself, um, Pascal Henke. Um, I was born in Namibia, which I always find is quite interesting for people, so I'll just mention it here. And um, yeah, should I just share sort of like a little life story with you guys? Yeah, go for it. Cool. Um, well, um, <laughs> the questions you shot through are very interesting. Um, I really had to, to, to think about it a little bit. But um, I was a single child um, with a single parent. So I'd like to think that that gave me a little bit more time and space to, to just sort of observe um, how, how people react and behave. Um, in any number of uh, situations um, and really trying to uh, make sense of why people reacted the way they do or behaved around, uh, behaved the way they do. And I could never understand why, um, as a sensitive child, why, you know, you had some sort of cool moments, especially in school and daycare centres and that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes you had these moments that just seemed magical somehow. They gave you that warm feeling and uh, there were moments of empathy and kindness. So I really, um, I guess, from a very young age started sort of um, collect these magical moments or these to pursue them. Um, and I really started noticing that, that helping others, and this sounds so, God, I'm tooting my own horn here, but starting to, to help other kids, um, was more important to me than, I don't know, getting birthday presents or something like that. So when I saw someone being bullied in school, I'd, you know, uh, I'd stand up and call the bullies out on it. And if there was a new kid in class, I'd take them around on a tour of the school um, and that sort of thing. Um, and then I came to Cape Town and I had my first year at varsity and I studied psychology, um, big surprise. Um, but being out of the sort of comfortable nest of home, I enjoyed being a student a little bit too much and completely neglected my studies and I was kicked out of UCT. Uh, <laughs> and being sort of a goody two-shoes child, this hit me and my family pretty hard. So, um, but it's all good. Um, I call them our dark ages. Um, but it was perfect the way it happened because... I really started questioning why that happened in the first place and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and that brought me on the journey of wanting to start to volunteer and I couldn't find anything, especially online, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, and also being a student, I started um, asking why I had to choose being a waitress to make my living versus volunteering. Um, I never understood that. Um, 
So that sort of started my journey of researching philanthropy in the welfare, the welfare sector and the idea of brownie points, sort of a social currency that values helping others. Um, and then I fought my way back into UCT, was very lucky, uh, studied BCom and information systems, and I just became a complete technophile. I fell in love with technology and especially how it could be used to achieve sort of exponential good. Um, and then in my honours year, as part of our curriculum, we had to do a community outreach program for the whole year. And I worked with a bunch of Lambda Hill High School students. And that was really the most, I think that was the most fulfilling part of all my studies. Um, it was a real eye-opening moment for me. And um, when I sort of did a goal-setting exercise with the kids, <clears throat> most of the goals I saw sort of in three years, five-year goals, the biggest goal they could think of was becoming cashiers to support their families. And I had to stop myself from pushing them into a different direction because they didn't have the opportunities I had. Um, and that really just, you know, added that to my, to my arsenal of sort of experiences that pushed me more into this industry that I'm working in now. Um, and then, yeah, after honours, I got two job offers and I took the lower paying one because I thought it was going to help me learn more and make more of a difference. So I started working at Get Smarter as a business systems analyst and I co-founded the sort of the social responsibility team back in the day before it was bought for like a gazillion rand. Um, <laughs> we were, you know, under 100 people and it was really sort of still the startup vibe. So uh, we co-founded Kindling, which to this day connects high school students to uh, people that get smarter for mentorships. Um, and I'm, I'm glad it's all around and I'm probably going to hound them soon to scale that up a bit more. Um, so yeah, I guess pursuing these sort of magical moments of, of true humanity um, has put me on this journey. Um, and of course, I'm a complete sort of idealist. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just want to pursue what makes me truly happy is to sort of help others, but over and beyond that, giving others the opportunity to do so too. Jeez, yeah, real life um, hero right here. Hey? Um, your, your story <laughs> sounds phenomenal. I mean, what a journey I think already that you've been on and, um, and the things that you've experienced and the people that you've helped along the way. Um, and I think getting into that, you, you obviously you know, started the happiness network, I think it was called. And, and then, you know, you move that all to a brand, if, if I can call it that, called Brownie Points. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, about Brownie Points and the happiness network and, and, um, and what it's all about? All right. So we didn't know that um, what to register this company or this legal entity under. And unfortunately, and we'll get to that soon, and um, there is no legal entity to hold a social enterprise because it's, it's um, I guess that isn't, the laws aren't evolved enough yet to hold this legal entity that can both make money and make a difference. Um, it's, it's, it goes over the heads of a lot of people. So um, we had Happiness Network as the, the, the profit company and Brownie Points as a non-profit company. So we set up this sort of hybrid structure and we had to swap those out at some stage because Browning Points became too big, too big for Happiness Network. Um, and now, yeah, that's sort of how that came about. 
And um, really the, the idea um, behind the happiness network um, to hold brownie points was, was still the same. To, uh, we consulted on a couple of social enterprises too. Um, we worked with uh, a sort of a, I don't know, a group um, called Creator where we would see what nonprofits need in terms of creative or website sort of work. Um, and we bring our challenges for young designers to get involved and be able to stand a chance to, to, um, to win. Um, so yeah, there were a couple of more, more things, but it was always the core concept was to, to help other social entrepreneurs do what they're passionate about, helping others, um, and really for people to do what they love doing. And I think us as a team till this, to this day and forevermore, um, we want to stay true to that. Um, and we'll come back to that on how we do that for the Brownie Points community later on. Cool. If I, if I could just interject quickly, uh, Pascal, something that you, that you said really did pique my interest and it was about doing exponential good. Um, and while I'm aware that this question might date the podcast, but I recently listened to a podcast on, on the creative live show with Chase Jarvis. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Chase Jarvis and some of the work that he does about encouraging people to think differently and, you know, really fulfill their, their, their calling as, as he calls it. Um, and the podcast was really around exponential living, um, and how you identify with yourself and understand that. Um, and obviously, you know, so far in the conversation, we've spoken a lot about combining social good, combining passions and also learning and figuring out your why and being kicked out of university and, and all of that, that life experience so far. What is, what, what does exponential living and exponential good look like for you as an individual? And how have you managed to, man to marry those in terms of one, finding a business calling and, you know, the challenges of building a social enterprise that also makes profit. But how, if you can just share some thoughts around that, I know it's quite a loaded question and you can answer it in, in any way that you, you like. Josh, is, uh, Josh asks all the clever questions. Yeah, Pascal, as you can see. No, I love it. I love that question. Um, and that's actually the first time I've had to think of it this way and structure my thoughts this way. But for me, it was really when I started to look at volunteering, potential volunteering opportunities and doing good. It wasn't only the fact that I couldn't sustain my own livelihood by doing good that really puzzled me, but it was, okay, I can go, you know, every Saturday to an animal shelter and do my hour of grooming and walking, but really, is that all I can do? And I think that's the first question in terms of if you want to sort of, um, how can I say this, like, um, sort of expand your living for now is to just, you know, we have in an average life, 80,000 hours of work, uh, whatever work means for you. And what do you choose to do with that time? Um, and really it's quite ironic, um, that <clears throat> the more I scale down my actual material living, um, the more exponential I could be in terms of what my calling is. Um, I always thought I had to, you know, looking at my other sort of my varsity sort of alumni, fellow students, you know, taking big corporate jobs. And I thought, wow, okay, they can make their 80K a month um, traveling all over the world. But when I asked them what they're actually doing, they couldn't really um, 
explain it or when they did I didn't see a lot of spark in their eyes so I thought okay let's um I'm just going to continue on my journey um and really help make or try to make exponential impact and technology was just a part of that journey um but yeah I um what really just sticks out for me is to to live sort of a simpler life has helped me and scaled down and I mean we moved from Cape Town to to a dreamy coastal town in Namibia now in Sokopmund and it really um, just brought me back to from decluttering like we had a whole parking bay filled with stuff we donated um, and really how much do you actually need um, and that has helped me just clear space and sort of like my mental bandwidth for a lot, a lot more other things and become a lot more cerebral actually about uh, connecting the dots um, and how we could make that happen on brownie points and for me personally. I hope that answered your question. More than, more than, it's a very wise word. Sorry, Josh, being, being an entrepreneur is not easy. I mean, I'm sure as, you, as you've known and uh, through kind of, you know, the last couple of years, um, Brownie Points has got a, a, a decent amount of um, partners on board now, some big companies and brands. How tough was it? You know, I mean, I know you guys kind of launched it in 2018, was it? Yeah, um, 2015. Yeah, we founded it in 2016. Okay. We launched. Yeah. Okay. How tough has it been, though? I mean, you know, something like us to to sell the idea of. For, to me, it makes sense. You know, do good and get rewarded. Like, well, why aren't we doing that more? Um, but how tough has it been getting people on board with with this? I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 a phenomenal idea. Um, but I know how tough it is out there and especially for kind of you know um single person trotting along um i know blake's been a major support and and um and also very involved in, in brownie points but but maybe you can also share just a, a bit about the journey and, and how tough it's been and, and and what was your big break oh it's been how much time do we have um <laughs> so i guess the the toughest thing was firstly the decision to take that leap of faith and to go full time because I did this while working at Get Smarter over at nights and over weekends with a group of like uh, developers and a group of people and it was just not sustainable. So really I, I came to the stage where I had to forego um, even potentially, you know, getting a, a sort of a higher management role at Get Smarter versus starting fresh from, from scratch and it was totally worth it. It was really tough, um, especially for social enterprise to get um, the, the financial capital, right? To get like an investor on board and to sell that idea. Because most of the investors, even the impact investors nowadays, really are looking for the financial return. Um, and, you know, for, to set up a social enterprise, the financial return is more of a result of, of having the right business model and balancing impact with making money. Um, so that was really tough. So luckily, um, my mother bought into the idea, mostly because I'm a daughter probably. But that really saved us from those sharks out there, you know, the dragon's den and the shark tank, all of that um, is true. And we've been, we've been approached by many um, sort of investors who, 
who were intrigued. But to be honest, a lot of them, um, it was also sort of lip service, you know, to add this to their portfolio, you know, and instead of really buying into our vision. And luckily we listened to our gut feeling and we never went down that road. So we had to take the other road, which is venture client capital, meaning making actual revenue from sort of from actual clients. And that's been very, very, very challenging. But what has helped is definitely getting the right people on board. So Blake is one of them. It started with a walk on the promenade and me asking him to be a mentor. And then, of course, he couldn't stay away <laughs> for too long. So um, he eventually became, um, you know, my business partner. And then Pavel, our senior developer, who also, you know, had to sacrifice really amazing opportunities to to work on Brownie Points full time. I mean... Um, yeah, so it's been really amazing just to get the right people. And I went through, um, this sounds bad, but I went through about 20 people before I got to this little mean, lean and mean team um, who are entrepreneurs in their own right. And, and that's why they're co-founders, you know. Um, I founded Brownie Points originally, but I, Brownie Points has, has become so much more. Um, and all of our fingerprints are all over it. So... Um, we were lucky enough to get into Startup Bootcamp in 2017, and I think that's really where it took off. We did our first sort of pilots with Woolies Financial Services and, sorry, Woolworths Financial Services and um, RCS. Um, and then Blake did a radio interview, and Lunga from the ShopRite group um, from the CSI department happened to hear it and just Facebook messaged us and said, hey, we want to do this cool thing. Can you help us? Um, and that ended up being the biggest campaign we've done so far um, with Africa's Biggest Cleanup. Um, yeah, and then we sort of kept going. Um, and then, of course, now uh, we've got First Round interested um, and we've got Growth Point as well. Um, and, yeah, we'll just see where this takes us. But it's been a very challenging uh, challenging road um, for all of us. I'm sure. I mean, the reason I asked that was because, you know, obviously being a female, a young female, um, we need more empowerment from, from, from ladies, you know, more opportunity. And I don't think there is enough of that and people don't give enough opportunity to, to ladies. So, so for me, it's inspiring. And, and I know how difficult it is anyway, you know, being kind of also an on and off entrepreneur in my life, it's, um, you need to just start, as you say. And, and for people that are wanting to start, especially females, there is sacrifice involved, a lot of hard work um, and time. So, so I think that's, you know, that's awesome. It, it's, it's not easy. It doesn't come by um, quickly or um, easily. But, but I think, you know, if, if they put their mind to it and they believe in the idea, then they must just get on and, and do it. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of help along the way. I think having, you know, um, a single parent, just my mother, um, I mean, she was a partner in an accounting firm. So she, I, you know, I started off on the right tone. But I've, I've had amazing people support me um, from, you know, my family to having the right mentors like Sam Paddock and John Hill from Get Smarter. Um, they really took me under their wing. And, in fact, Sam... Sam also had uh, family support when he first started Get Smarter. No one really believed or 
very few believed in him. And luckily one of those was his father who could help him too. Um, but I mean, Blake's been um, amazing in terms of really pushing that whole female founded thing out there. Um, and I think I've been kind of lucky in terms of not getting too much um, sort of pushback on that. Um, mostly because I, I'm not good with picking up when these are subtle hints, you know, um, in terms of, oh, you're, you're a woman, you're too young, you know. I was, that sort of went out of, uh, completely over my head. So I just kept on going. Um, and I think, yeah, the advice I can give to other female founders, especially young ones, is just, you know, don't, don't buy too much into, into other people's opinions and mindsets. Um, if you focus on your own and your vision, then you're good to go. Yeah. That's powerful. And I think it's, it's also interesting how that is a great segue into sort of a next talking point that I'd like to explore. And it's about, you know, the psychological side of, of doing good and, and philanthropy. And Pascal, I know you mentioned that you started out studying psychology when, when you started at, at UCT. But if you could just share, you know, what is it that, that in doing good and in, as Kurt put it, you know, doing good and getting rewarded for it, how has technology enabled that and unlocked some of the good side um, that you get from, from giving back, from engaging, from volunteering and the like? Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go back to sort of my, my um, sort of original story of how I came about it was, I mean, in those dark ages, I was like almost clinically depressed. I mean, I for two weeks didn't eat properly and shower, you know, and, and we have that a lot. I mean, it's, it's strange how over 90% of the world lives in sort of middle or higher income countries, actually. Um, I mean, poverty is an, at an all time low. Um, we live in the most connected and abundant time ever experienced by the human race. Um, and yeah, in the last 20 years, poverty is halved, but there's another form of poverty that is not financial, it's emotional. Um, and we've seen the highest sort of disengagement rates amongst uh, people in the workplace. I mean, in South Africa, it's 91%. In Japan, it's 93%. Um, a big fraction of that is actively disengaged, meaning they are actually uh, toxic for your company. Um, and we're also seeing the highest levels of depression, uh, suicide, drug use, and disconnect. Um, so really, I think what's important to note is that even in this, you know, to make people more empowered and connected individuals in this sort of scary world, um, and to engage people more meaningfully, meaningfully, um, you know, giving is a big part of that. And it's actually, it's, it's, it happens all around us. Um, and I think it's actually innately a human a human thing. Um, we've evolved to, to cooperate as social animals. Um, and um, for example, in his new book, Humankind, uh, Rutger Bregman makes the argument that humans thrive in crisis um, and that our innate kindness and cooperation has been one of the greatest factors in our long-term success on this planet. So really, how do we take that to the next level? Um, you know, studies have also shown that giving to others makes you more happy and for longer than sort of giving to yourself or spending money on yourself. 
And other studies have shown, obviously, that it's volunteering or helping others build self-esteem and expands your empathy, develops your skills, helps you find your purpose. Um, And really what's most, I think, most important right now is that it shows you that you are part of a community and that you are not a lone island um, and that being part of that community means, you know, adding value to that community. Um, so really, in our minds, um, from Brownie Point's side, we, we hope to show um, that volunteering and these sort of good deeds that happen everywhere are a uh, are part of the community naturally. Um, you know, it's it's that glue that holds everyone together. Those magical moments I mentioned before, um, and that it is part of our intrinsic human nature. You know, it's not just something that that happens on a Saturday or on Mandela Day. You know, um, it happens all around us. And I think if you start focusing on those stories, whether you read the stories on Good Things Guy or I don't know, watch Dodo videos or something on YouTube. Um, you know, if you start focusing on that, you see more and more. Um, and yeah, I think technology, just like it has possibly added to us being so disconnected, actually, can also have the opposite effect. It's just a tool. And how do you apply that tool? Um, and for Brownie Points, it's really been just that, that laser focus on building community, um, on helping people and companies um, get involved more and use their assets and resources in the best way possible. So Brownie Points is, I mean, how do people get involved in Brownie Points? Basically by doing good and volunteering, you're gonna get rewarded for it. How do people get involved in it? I mean, is there an app? Um, I know that there's a big kind of CSR and and corporates can get involved with, with their team. Um, so it's not just only from a, from an individual volunteer basis, but from a company perspective too, how do, how do I get involved in it? How do others get involved in it? Okay. Well, it's a web platform. Uh, it's at browniepoints.africa. Um, and anyone can go on there and either find stuff that's relevant to them or, um, something we've been exploring more is creating causes on behalf of their favorite nonprofits, for example. This is what happens naturally in in big corporations, and we really just want to expand on that. So if you already have your favorite nonprofit or local animal shelter, you can um, create sort of a fundraising campaign or some sort of uh, goods drive, like blankets or tin food or something. Um, By just going on, you sign on, and you can create that cause on their behalf. Um, And nonprofits really um, need that help. Because often nonprofits are just like startups, right? They have little, little capital. They have a really small team. They are overwhelmed with admin. Um, and by the way, the same is true for corporate uh, sort of impact teams. Often it's, it's either they don't have dedicated resources, right? Or they have a small team that has to, to work with sort of a limited budget. Um, and they have a lot of admin and governance requirements. Um, uh, and pull together reports, right, for Exco to justify next year's budget, that sort of thing. So really, um, yeah, as a nonprofit, as an activism group, a school, a church, a company, as a person, you can go to Brownie Points at Africa and sign up and just see what you can find there. Um, we've got a lot of um, sort of random acts of kindness you can get involved in. 
Um, we've got for Mandela Day, you can credit 67 minutes. Um, this is a campaign run by the Do More Foundation. Um, you know, and we've got a couple more campaigns coming up, especially for Mandela Day and beyond. Um, so yeah, or you can just contact us and start a conversation just like we're having now. Um, if you have a cool idea for a campaign, like we'd love to, we'd love to get involved and hop out. Super. Pascal, I just want to circle back to something that you, that you mentioned um, before chatting about how, how people can get involved around brownie points and it sits around technology. Um, and obviously we, we live in a very tech centric age um, and you just have to look at some of the big companies share prices that have been shooting the lights out. I mean, Amazon has just recently gone over $3,000 and we're spending, we're talking over a virtual environment right now. So how do we find and where do we find that balance? between using technology to do good and to unearth the connections and like you said earlier, join the dots and find people who want to do good and pair them with existing programs and the like. And where and how have you in your own development and building out this social enterprise and business found that balance between using technology to connect people but also being aware of how it can disconnect people? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not easy. Just like trying to balance impact with profits. Um, it's always sort of a, a tightrope. Um, but really what really has helped us is to get very, very clear on what is our sort of massive transformative purpose. Right. Um, and that for us is quite simply just to maximize, um, the ease to be generous in whatever way that is relevant to you. Um, and just trying to empower people that way. But we also have noticed along our journey that, you know, a tool is just a tool. You can have the most amazing platform in the world. If you, if you don't, um, if people don't use it because of certain, certain things, um, because of where they are at in their lives. Um, and if it doesn't, if, if you as a sort of a tech team, think that your tools, the, the panacea to all of world's problems, like that's, you know, you're going to drive down a cul-de-sac. So, so really what we've tried to do and we do this uh, continuously is uh, use a sort of human centered approach to why are people using this tool in the first place and to, to not think that our platform can do it all. Um, it, it's simply just a tool to connect and to, to find more ways and explore more ways to get involved. Really the, the real stuff, the real magic happens outside of the platform. Um, you know, we, we will also um, launch a feature soon to be able for people to just share their giving stories or to log their good deeds, to help share and celebrate that more. Because what we found is, I think, I don't know if it's just South Africans, but um, the culture around sharing sort of these giving stories or these good deeds um, is uh, not to use it to brag. But really, when you think about it, when you see someone help someone else, so whether it's helping someone over the road or they, someone dropped their wallet and someone picks it up and runs towards them to give it back to them, you know, it, it, does, it does create this, this sort of gratitude that this person has helped the other. Um, and that often results in you wanting to get involved more. Um, so 
really we're just trying to to capture those core concepts that happen um sort of in the um in social or in relationships and in the social world and give our our application our platform more soul um to facilitate that and to support that um but yeah, what drives us is, is our purpose. And we always have to remind ourselves of that every day <laughs> that, you know, it, it is, it is tempting to run away with, um, making a lot of money. Um, and that's all good and well, but what are you going to do with that money? Um, so, you know, for, for big companies, other big companies, we shall not name names. You, you buy back shares or stocks, right? Um, for social enterprises, it often is, you know, invest, reinvesting into the platform or even, I don't know, I mean, we, we are dreaming of some sort of good lives fund, you know, to, to give people sort of a basic income that are doing good in their communities. So, so it, it really is just about what is your purpose of, and your vision um, and also your values um, and not to, to stray too far from those. I hope that that was a good answer to your question. I thought it was great. And I, you know, you mentioned the ShopRite uh, big cleanup campaign that you guys did. And we were, we were involved in that as well, which, which to me was like major fun. And, 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 and I kind of, you know, wonder why I don't do more, more often. Um, you know, it's kind of like when I do it and I'm out there, I'm having so much fun and it feels so great. Um, and yeah, I mean that 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 ShopRite big cleanup was was really really cool. And and what was cool was, as you mentioned, the community elements, kind of the the people within the park that we were cleaning up that kind of lived in the park, if you like, you know, the wastepreneurs, the the recyclers, um, all got involved in it. And then it was kind of this really cool community vibe going on. Um, what what is kind of the bigger campaigns or the more successful campaigns that you guys have done. Um, I mean, every campaign is, is success, I suppose, and, and, and every campaign is, is good, but, but have there been any that have stood out? Um, and maybe it's, you know, to give other corporates or people ideas on, on what can be done. And it's not rocket science in order to do good, I suppose, and, and to get involved. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think there's, uh, we've seen some amazing ideas pop up and more often than not, when, when companies give their employees sort of a, a voice or the ability to, to share their ideas, some amazing stuff comes up. I mean, with one client, we had, um, an employee, uh, who one morning went, went jogging and looked in the cupboard and saw that she had you know, um, way too many pairs of training shoes or running shoes. And she's like, well, I want to do an these, So can't we do that? Can I do that through my company? You know, can the company, can, uh, can the company sort of partner with me as an employee to make this happen? And that ended up in the campaign to, um, for the whole team, the whole company to, to donate sort of running shoes and training shoes to, to, to communities who don't who can't even afford those shoes, so that was one idea. Um, last year, we we partnered up with Do More Foundation to unofficially break a world record of over hundred thousand sandwiches made in one hour. Um, and what we really find with these campaigns is, if you have a 
a compelling kind of um, goal, you know, that, that everyone can be part of. Um, like for, for Africa's Biggest Cleanup, it was we wanted to have a certain number of cleanups all over in, in certain countries in Africa. For the Do More Foundation, it was breaking, or unofficially breaking the world record. Um, you know, and people can get behind that because often with impact work, it can get very overwhelming, right? We only have so much mental bandwidth in our day, sort of the, the mental energy and focus we can dedicate to something. And um, the way we organize human activities right now um, in society is, is mostly geared around how can I survive? How can I earn money so I can survive? Um, and unfortunately, the volunteering and that sort of stuff is, is mostly excluded from that. Um, so when you ask yourself the question of, you know, um, why am I not getting more involved? It's because we have other stuff to, to really focus on a lot of the time. And we have to be very honest about that, you know. So really what, what Brownie Points aims to do, um, and we currently are reworking our, our Brownie Points that you can earn. We had that on our first, the first version of our platform. Um, and right now we're just sort of putting the foundation in place that we can sort of revive it. Um, and you, the human psychology is when you have, when you have enough so that you can give back, that means you have more mental bandwidth and more time to focus on it. Um, with a lot of people though, um, you know, your mental bandwidth is taken up by just surviving. I mean, we had a, an example where a nonprofit in Hanover Park, um, was holding sort of a community event, right, for the kids. And she asked um, the moms, a lot of them were unemployed, whether they can hop out and, you know, set it up, get prepared for the event. And they weren't interested. Um, so what, what we tested there really was, <clears throat> was more of an extrinsic motivation of saying, okay, you can come volunteer for an hour and you get 10 rand air time. Um, and that really worked. And, in fact, um, some of the, the moms came back. To, to keep helping the nonprofit afterwards. So that, that extrinsic motivation is just us trying to carve out some mental bandwidth by giving an incentive. Um, but really the journey is to, to get to that intrinsic motivation of feeling that magical moment, feeling like you're part of a community um, and um, yeah, um, making it more organic and integrated in your own life. Um, Sorry, I actually kind of forgot your question. I hope I answered it. No, no, you did. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, you did 100%. And I think, you know, we wanted to just understand what you kind of did touch on what was then on the horizon for brownie points and going forward. Um, you know, you said, you said that you're kind of going to rework the point system and how that all works. And, and I was also fascinated to ask, you know, with the current unemployment rates, what is the what is kind of the, the turnaround or the feedback on unemployed, the unemployed volunteering for certain projects? And then you answered that, which is quite an interesting, um, you know, well, it's very interesting for me because it's kind of like, well, it's a give and take mentality. But once you get more involved and, and see the greater good in the community, then you're happy to get more involved um, for less, I suppose. So, yeah. I mean, the only, the only challenge really for us is why, why are people not being compensated for doing good? Um, 
and that's also a, a sort of a culture of that you're not allowed to be compensated for doing good. Um, so this results in, um, you know, from school being pushed into a certain direction where you follow the money um, to, to um, having sort of high paying bankers, for example, um, and sorry to say a lot of bullshit jobs, you know, that might earn a lot of money, but really where's the meaning and purpose of that? Um, and that brings me sort of um, just back to the, the unemployment. Um, you know, the, we think um, when I hear politicians talking nowadays, they, they keep talking about creating jobs, but what jobs are you going to create? You know, um, <clears throat> especially where we have all these technological advances. Um, and really, a lot of those jobs, should they be even done by people? Um, you know, it, it brings up all those questions. And I think it, it would be good to look at the definition of employment um, and expand that and evolve that. You know, is, a, is a, someone works in a nonprofit in an animal shelter, are they actually employed? Are you employed if you look after your elderly mother? Um, you know, um, for me, being employed means um, using your time uh, in the right way for whatever is relevant to you and your community. Sure. Um, yeah, and if we can include volunteering in that um, and allow people to have sustainable livelihoods, then we've, we've won. Um, I just want to sort of um, talk a little bit around that in terms of um, um, sort of what's on the horizon. <laughs> Um, I mean, for now, we're just focusing on, on building out the platform more, uh, more and um, just sort of a call out to nonprofits, by the way, who um, want to join our special focus group in building out the platform and adding more value. Um, I don't know if this was a, another question, but um, we've recently launched our new donations feature in partnership with Ozo that makes 0% transaction fee donations possible. This means that nonprofits directly get the money and they do not pay any sort of percentage transaction admin fees. Um, they only cover their usual bank charges. And that's just the first step. Um, but really, we would love to, to work with more nonprofits to understand their real needs and how this platform can, can sort of fill some gaps for them. Um, but the next step for us is really um, looking at that social currency and building out a sort of a social economy because currently the way we um, using GDP to measure, you know, a nation's progress, I find it's like using sort of steps in a day to, to measure how much weight you've lost. And it's really, it, it only tells one side of the story and not even that, that well. Um, you know, and I kind of want to drop a quote here um, from Bobby Kennedy. The gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. Wow. Um, yeah, um, and we see certain countries not, like New Zealand adopt a different way of measuring it. Um, 
And that's something we really want to pursue on, on Brownie Points because we are capturing all these good deeds, right, across certain sectors and we have all this data. And what do we do with this data? So if we can use that to, to build out the social economy, this economy that values activities that are good for, for society as a whole and the, and the planet, um, you know, then, then um, yeah, that, that would make us very happy. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's the next step. Yeah. It's very, very, very powerful. Um, and yeah, it, get, it gets me excited because one of the businesses that I work with is Imagined Earth. Um, and that's really around incentivized recycling and how do you create jobs and scale that into, into different sectors and economies and that sort of thing. Um, and I think even in the current circumstances which we find ourselves, we're being forced to think differently and what elements of society we want to build back with and why we want to build back with them. Um, and I think you've, you've touched on so many elements inside the conversation that we've had today about building, um, also about recognizing who we are as people and what are those intrinsic, uh, intrinsic you know, motivations and how do we capture those. I think technology can play a big part in that. And you know, we've had great, great insights in this conversation. Um, and yeah, to, to end off, Pascal, I'm, I'm going to ask, you know, and you have touched already on so many elements that, that we've discussed so far, but is there, and can you distill into a sentence, a phrase, a quote, you know, one change or a change that you would like to see um, over the next life, your lifetime, the next couple of years, the next day? Um, is, is there something that you want to leave us with? Um, well, the, the change I hope to see in my lifetime is that society evolves beyond beyond money being the end in itself um, and that values the right things at the right time um, and for for everyone to have the opportunity to survive and thrive doing what they love and what matters to them without having to compromise or having no choice at all um, that's really that fundamental systemic change is what I hope to see in my lifetime and hope to work on a lot. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would leave you with. No, thank you. Pascal, you are truly a incredible human being, inspirational human being. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, what I love about these podcasts that we, that we do is just, you get to meet and hear the stories of such incredible human beings. And yeah, I, I take my hat off to you. Um, and to all those listening, get involved. Um, BrowniePoints.Africa, um, get in touch with Pascal or Blake or ourselves and, um, and make a difference. It's not, it's, um, it's not too late, it never is. And if you're involved in uh, CSR projects or, or projects in your offices, get in touch with them, start, um, start something with Brownie Points, and And I think, you know, together we can slowly but surely make a small difference in society. So Pascal, thank you for your time. Keep doing what you're doing, please. You are awesome. Um, and yeah, we appreciate it a lot. Yeah, same to you, Josh and Kurt. Thanks for having me. Thank you.